Perfect. Welcome. Yo, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Like, dude, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I um, I first saw your shit at when you gave Danny Brown the care package at Rolling Loud, New York City. (laughs) Yeah, man. Nah, it was a freaking blessing of an opportunity. I did not expect Dart to reach out to me at all. Like, that was like out of nowhere type of stuff, you know? And um, it was crazy too, cause I worked with Z Loopers the year prior at the exact same time. So it was just like, okay, like the years just, it just perfectly aligned pretty much, you know? Oh, really? So Dart reached out to you. Shout yeah, out Dart. Parker, amazing dude. Oh, phenomenal person. Yeah. Really cute kid, like really great dude. Yeah, 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 super dope dude, man. So he reached out to you. How did that, did it just randomly one day? Yeah, so I think it was because they needed to style Danny for Rolling Loud, and he just uh, reached out last second and was like, could you come up with something within this small span of time? And within like three days, I came out with like like six new designs, six new pieces just for Danny, pretty much. Really? Because I yeah, think yeah. He, he wore the... Uh, but he wore some of the OG stuff that I yeah, made. With yeah, with the world leaders on it? Yeah, man. <laughs> It's I a, know I a, want to get into all your ideas but I guess to round off the story so you knew Z first yeah so the so interestingly enough out the loopers another amazing dude <laughs> phenomenal bro phenomenal artist phenomenal person but yeah man the way I got connected with Z was um actually sort of ish through dash not really but sort of so like uh I I met dash a couple of years back um just like very randomly at like a nightclub. And then um, a couple of days later, we pretty much just exchanged information, like started talking more. And then um, we set up like this little shoot thing, but to make that long story sort of short, um, a couple of years go by and I know, I hear that they work together and I've been a fan of Z Loopers forever. So I was like, yo, I'm gonna just shoot my shot. And I sent him a message just being like, yo, like, Here's like a piece that I think would match your aesthetic perfectly, just with the whole Crash Bandicoot theme he had going on at the time with his album. So, uh, yeah, man, I just cooked up that piece, sort of an inspiration of Z Loopers' album. And he loved the piece. So he wore it for the Detroit Festival in 2021. The blue, the blue denims that I made. It was like a bunch of characters, 3D characters. I do remember that because I was at that show last year. Oh, yeah. Too. So that was my first. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Isn't it crazy how stuff like that works? Because I saw that your clothes are in Lambs, which is uh, Dash's shop, and Sh- Dude, Dash is just on the Stevie, podcast. Shout out to Stevie. Shout out to Scotty. They're geniuses, beautiful people. They 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 run uh, Lambs. They do a phenomenal job. Yeah, and it's it was so you just met. Is that how you got connected with them? Well, so interestingly enough, Lambs opened up around the pandemic and I was living in the city at the, well, sort of like at the time I was going in between like apartment, like it was a weird situation, but I was in the city very often. And um, one day when I was walking around LES, like no, no knowledge that Dash was connected with Lambs at all. Like I walked in there, I met Joe Rowe, who, yo, one of the greatest photographers ever. He does some of the best black and white film photography, Joe Rowe. He does a lot of uh, editorials for Dash. He did the album artwork for Dash. Uh, the, well, the he did the photography for uh, like between the lines and like all that okay. stuff. Yeah, and um, 
Nah, man. So I met him and he was like, oh, you like somehow we got to talking about it, like how we both know Dash. And he was like, oh, yo, like we all like mess with them, all this stuff. So, yeah, man. So you were hopping around, not having a place really design, designing cl- clothes, designing. Uh, yeah, yes. What you? Well, for me, I guess like my journey was sort of um, it's sort of odd. So like around 2019, probably. um I like was getting really into creating like murals sort of out of fabric, like so taking fabric and um, trying my best to make like art through fabric, but not like for it to be like ready to wear necessarily. It was sort of more along the like, you know, higher end like runway type stuff. But then um, pretty much I went, Ugh, my bad, man. I'm just a little like all over the place. I just left the printing studio not too long ago. Oh, no problem. I know you were you're a busy dude. So and I'm going to a show after this. So we got it in. Right. But no, just like you're uh, I wanted to know about how I guess you got to where you are with the designing. Yeah. yeah. So around like 2019, I stumbled upon this pop up that was going on Um that this kid drew also known as kunai was throwing and he is a super talented cut sew designer he does very like intricate i guess like like taking like a lot of rework pieces but also like original pieces a lot of like i guess like irony like ironic clothing to an extent but anyways i stumbled upon his pop-up and we started to talk and at the time i was doing this like i guess artwork on fabric you know and um i showed it to him and he rocked with it and um, I started helping him just in general around the pop up. And eventually he was like, yo, you can start selling your stuff here. And it did really well. So I just continued onwards, you know. So you weren't it wasn't clothing. It was artwork with clothes. But yeah. Originally, it was just like hand done everything, you know, like hand drawn everything. Like for me, my my obsession with fashion is very different from my like love of art if that makes any sense you know because i see fashion as a very vain thing like at the end of the day like fashion is not something i like see as like the primary art form for me it's like mainly the graphics and sort of like the messaging behind the fashion and like what it represents if that makes sense Mm, so it's like the merch for your art in a sense but then to add i guess the like i do also appreciate i guess like higher quality materials and stuff like that so i try to do like a combination of both, you know, but that's what everybody says to an extent. Yeah. It's something I'm so ignorant about, but being around who I'm around, I start learning more about fashion and I start realizing it's funny. Someone, uh, a stylist, Conway's stylist once told me I was like, kind of like, I guess I didn't know what her job was, you know? And she was like, well, when you see someone, in a magazine or at an event and you're like damn they look good there's like it's a person behind it and it's the energy for that and that yeah. really changed how i thought about clothing and dressing dude that remind that's what makes this what it is you know like greedhead like mishka collabs in the 2010s like if you think about like what are statement times from like different time periods right if you look at the 80s you think of shirt king fade you think of like you know dapper dan and like if you listen to the music, you can sort of look at the music and the fashion and like this, like this, like coming together thing. Right. And I sort of feel it was the same. It's the same throughout every single, you know, time period with music and with whatever, you know. And uh, I guess like for me, my goal is to show appreciation to that and just like everything, com- like try to combine it all so that 2023 fashion is like a thing. If 
Well, I, I was looking down because I wrote it down. Of course, it was kind of hard to do like research on you before. Yeah. But I wanted to write it down because what you just said plays into the what it, uh, and you're about it says post-Soviet societal critique. Yeah, for sure. So that's a so that's that. All right. I guess I can explain one of my collections just to give an example of like what that means, you know. So mm -hmm. my background, I'm like I, my mom currently she lives in Russia. A lot of my family members live in Ukraine. Like a, like a lot of them live in Kiev, a lot of them live in Moscow. So it's sort of like, you know, that's my background. And um, I guess it's interesting because growing up, I was taught that a lot of things that I now know are like really weird and wicked in a sense, you know, that like we're okay then. So like, for instance, I did a collection where um, I parodied this uh, oil company by the name of Gazprom. And so this oil company, Gazprom, they have a, mon I mean, like all like, oil companies you know they have like a really bad monopoly over what's going on over there specifically Gazprom and um pretty much I made a collection where I highlighted you know the oil spills that have happened within the past like five years that have not been talked about at all also the fact that Gazprom is the main sponsor for Zenit which is the biggest Russian soccer club and so I grew up wearing so many shirts that said Gazprom you know like the soccer club jerseys so I thought why not flip that on its head and be like okay y'all are gonna rock Gazprom but something that actually shows what Gazprom is you know a horrible yeah. oil company that should be is you know like should be out of the game and um so with a lot of the funding I got from that project, I donated it directly to Ukraine. So it's like you're wearing the Gazprom pieces, you know, pairing yeah. it, donating to Ukraine. And so I, I guess it makes sense you having you be post-Soviet and with your family connection, but it also plays into what you were talking about before on the bigger scale of it's more of the uh, the energy behind it. It's not just the clothing that you have. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Do you, so you said you have family in Russia and Ukraine right now. 100%, yeah. And so is this idea like newer with the war or is this something that you've been toying with in your head that you've oh. been thinking about or? Yeah, I made the whole entire collection before the war started. I even dropped it, I think, literally unintentionally, like literally within that like week span. So this is an older yeah. collection that I did. This is a collection I dropped like two years or a year and a half or some, you know, whenever. Yeah. yeah. When did you start gaining, I guess, the knowledge behind learning about like the oil company and things like that? Well, I've just always been fascinated with what's going on politically and history. So sort of for forever you know what i mean it's sort of one yeah. of those things where i've just sort of always been aware and always sort of poked fun at it in a sense and talked to other people about but like you know until what's going on now did people really care to hear like anything which i think is interesting you know but yeah so i guess that's like do you think it affects how your work is looked at um, with how the war is going on or just with, yeah, it being more in the forefront, you saying people not really caring until now. Yeah, for sure. In a sense. But like prior to this, that collection, I was already using a lot of Cyrillic on my clothes, you know, like having that Russian inspiration, but like in this very, I guess, like parody esque sense, you know? Yeah. You said ironic for the, um, I forget who, whose name you said. My homie Drew Kunai. Yes, yeah. The ironic, which. 
I guess I do. That's what I was drawn to with your pieces originally is like, they're in no way ironic clothing, but when you look really look, it's kind of silly at what it is. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No doubt, man. And I mean, like, yeah, go ahead. What were you saying? No, what were you saying? Yeah, go ahead. My bad. (laughs) No, no, I want to, I want to hear what you were about to say. No, I was just going to say how, like, um, yeah, man, at the end of the day, like, I don't want to be that, like, pretentious artist who's like, oh, this has this, like, deep meaning to, you know, because at the end of the day, man, like, unless you're actually out in the field doing something for people, like, I mean, yeah, like, obviously, as an artist, like, you inspire people to do so much in the outside world, you know, but just, like, alone clothing itself isn't gonna get this man who's like dying in the street anything you know what i mean yeah and i think that's maybe why i was drawn to it because i guess it's the same way with this podcast where it's like ironic in the way that like it's a self-help podcast but i'm just stoned not no one knowing what i'm doing like stumbling yeah. my way through this conversation but it's just the the pursuit and the keep going at it and it's the not taking yourself too seriously yeah man 100 percent. i mean i have a quake tattoo you know like i have a quake (laughs) the video game thing the video game thing literally (laughs) um i do you think not taking yourself seriously is good or bad because i'll I'll answer it myself afterwards (laughs) for sure so i think it's definitely there's a double-edged sword you know it's a double-edged sword for instance i've lost opportunities because of the fact that i've just been like a little careless in a sense or not taking something as seriously as i should but then also like i've i've been respected by people who i love because of the fact that i'm just like you know i understand like I, i don't look at it like if somebody critiques my work you know, I, I try to take it as like, a, oh, you know, I could do better. And at the end of the day, I'm not a designer like who like like a lot of designers today, especially independent designers, like to compare themselves to people who are like 20 plus years in the game. Like I'm not about to compare myself to Margiela right now, you know, or Rick Owens. So I'm not going to take it like I don't, I don't want to take the critique like that, you know, like if I was one of those people. So Is that the lane you see yourself in? No, no. I'm just giving an example of just like people who people compare themselves to. I mean, I I try not to view myself in a lane, but like if I were to have to point out like what inspires me that like I want to aspire to be more like, it's like, you know, pretty much a combination of like all the higher end designers who I've loved and all the streetwear designers who I've loved sort of just like in one, you know, that's what everyone says. (laughs) But still. How did the love for it start? Okay, it actually started because of the uh, stand-up comedian Red Fox, a shirt that I found at a thrift store when I was eight years old. It was so sick, man. It was like this embroidery of Red Fox, where if you look at it in a mirror, it like mirrors it so you can see his face, but up close you sort of can't. That's where my love for fashion started. That shirt and that moment, that's wild. Like, that was it. I was like, yo, I'm going to start rocking only like graphic tees that are like XL double XL. So before that, it was you had never really thought about it. Before that, I was like eight years old. So yeah, really but at eight year after that, you're eight years old still, and you have this like crazy passion for it. Yeah, man. Well, for me, it was like an obsession with music and stand up and art and like in general. Like it wasn't fashion at all at first. It was like how art looked like 
of like things that I like on fabric rather, you know, mm. but in cool ways, like the embroidery, the really nice cotton of that red fox shirt, like the drapage of it was so unique, you know. But that's a way that your mind had to see things, because I don't think I've ever looked at something that way. And at eight years old, that must be ingrained in you. Yeah, man. I mean, because my mom, she would take me and my brother to Goodwill every single weekend. Like, that's what I looked forward to every weekend, you know, like now looking back at it, it's like it look, it sounds a little weird, you know, but like it was like where you got the video games that like you couldn't find anywhere, you know, because we only had like a PS2 because we didn't have the newer game systems. So it was just like tight to go to a thrift store, cop like a dollar ninety nine Borat tea, just be like, yeah. <laughs> and the video games. Yeah, man, I definitely have had a PS one, PS two. Yeah, that's all I grew up playing, man. I still got my, I got my Dreamcast right there, my Saturn right there, my P. I'm pointing at it. I wish I could show, show you, but. Yeah, and that's good. what a lot of your artwork, at least in your newer pieces, are designed with or characters from that time. Oh, so fun fact, the way I do that is actually, I don't know if this is too much to say for process purposes, but like what I do is I use a editing a software that where I can extract the characters directly from the video games, if that makes sense, yeah, into a I, world and then make the prints. How do you do that? Like, that's great. Wait, I mean, I don't even know how to, that's why, how did you find that? How did that, how did that idea come about? Well, so think about it this way, right? Back in the day, I mean, people used to love modding video games and just putting in characters, putting in putting on shirts on like a GTA San Andreas character or whatever. You have to you have to program or not program, but you have to like edit the 3D models to have them look like that, you know. And if you were to get an emulate, and this is all free by the way, if you were to get just like an emulating software for a PS2, if you were to get a you know modding software combine the emulator and modding software, extract the object files, put it into a 3D workspace, maneuver it, however, make it into a crisp thing, and then, then you're good. Where did that idea come from? How did, what were you like, I'm gonna do this for the first time? I actually have been experimenting in Blender. I mean, I think since I was like 13 or something, which is like the 3D pro, uh, software that I use, you know? And so like, I've always wanted to use 3D for clothing and I've always played emulated video games. And then I just thought, like, one day, why not try to combine the two? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, Going back to the going to Goodwill when you were younger and seeing the clothes and thinking about that. It's funny. The two shirts you mentioned were Borat and Red Fox. Yeah. And, like PS1, PS2 games. I was thinking about this the other day, how sometimes I think that I found out who I was on my own. 100%. I found yeah. the path on my own. But then I was talking to my mom and she like jokingly was like, man, all we listened to in the car, like all you wanted to listen to, like all I like put on was stand up and rap music. <laughs> yeah. I and feel like what? And it kind of was like, I go back to those moments and I'm like, oh shit, I'm just recreating literally nostalgic these nostalgic yeah. pathways from the past that i thought i found on my own dude i know exactly how you feel i feel like i hit the same realization last year i was just like dang man like this is like i was so happy though when i realized that man like when i realized this is everything i always have been obsessed with you know like the fact that i can be a part of it now is just like it's really surreal 
it's really surreal you know and in that like, moment yeah. it was ingrained in your head i mean because what's interesting too is like i didn't even care what kids thought at the time because whenever i was wearing that stuff it wasn't cool at the time like what was cool at the time was like wearing tight under armor shirts because you play sports you know and i was just like Dog, this is lame but then i realized wait maybe i'm the lame one everyone thinks i'm a homeless kid <laughs> like i don't know yeah and that and it, that is the thing where it's like when i was a kid i was kind of uh not i didn't fit in really but in my head, I was like, nah, this is gonna, yeah. this is gonna work out one day. This is gonna exactly what man. I'm doing is actually cool, but it will work out one day. Those yeah, are kids that peaked. <laughs> like kids that peaked in high school or peaked in middle school. <laughs> oh man. You know what I'm talking about? You like see someone and it's like they can only talk about that time in life. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. Wait, 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 what do you mean though? In a negative connotation? You're talking yeah, about like people. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, about. I don't know why. For a second, I thought you meant the positive. That's no, no, mean. definitely not. Yeah, but people who are like high school was the best time of their whole life. And their whole life is going to create that moment again. Dude. The nah, comfortability man. of it. I had a weird high school experience for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, yeah, I don't know, man. I knew a lot of kids like that. Though. What was your high school experience? Well, I went to high school in New Orleans, actually. And um, yeah, man, I had my, you know, three best friends, Gabriel, George, Tomas, Walker, or four best friends. But like, you know, they were into the same thing. And that was pretty much it. You know, like we hardly spent time. Like we were bad kids, to be honest. Like we just sort of didn't care about school, cut school, just like smoked way too much weed. It's just like, you know, your average like high schoolers. But like we were sort of like the not low life but like sort of the low lives, you know, like everybody was sort of cool with us, but nobody was like, everyone's just like, oh, those are those kids, you know, that just like yeah. smoke weed and hang out with kids who don't go to the school almost, if that makes sense. Did you have any creative outputs? Yeah, man, I was in the film program. I used to do photography. I was really big into media arts, you know, like that was my whole thing. I wanted to originally somehow combine like doing film and um, or doing film and photography, but the reason I was so drawn to film was because of synchronizing like music to like scenes that we shot, you know? So it was really just from a perspective of, Oh, I feel like listening to my favorite hip hop songs to a cool like thing. Do you know who Al Davino is? Yeah. 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 So I was just talking to him and he was saying he would play rap over old animations and that's how he like got into it. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. That's like a big thing now. Isn't that the whole like lo-fi hip-hop shit is like anime. yeah i i have some homies in that realm but yeah for sure <laughs> i was uh i never like now i feel like the reason the podcast works is because i was such a like i feel like a kid in the candy shop like i don't understand anything but i love it whether it's music or art or whatever it's like all i can do is appreciate it but i don't know the like deeper meaning to it that's that's awesome man to hear that you're able to give people that deeper meaning through your platform like that's why i like your pod that's why i think podcasting is dope in general man i've never like i've never like been a big podcasting fan necessarily you know but um throughout the past couple of years like i've definitely gained an appreciation for the art form you know i think it's the best way to learn like i didn't 
you were talking about being like a bad kid and you know bad kid yeah because that wasn't your proper way to learn but you know what i will say that changes man like i used to that you like reading and studying used to not be my proper way but like as of the past like year man i've been obsessed with reading like that's 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 my main thing like as a kid i never read like i feel like the first time i ever read like a full real book by myself i was probably out of high school you know you remember what it was haruki murakami's kafka on the shore the fact that i can tell you what it is is just like dang like that shows i didn't read but now i really gain an appreciation for reading you know things you enjoy though yeah i enjoy reading now but that's because i mean reading things you enjoy Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Reading things I enjoy. And now it's just reading in general, honestly. Like, I feel like growing up, I was told I was like a lazy kid. Yeah, same. Yeah. But it's like it was just because I didn't care about any of that shit. If I care about something, I'm not lazy at all. No, for sure. But I feel like at the same time, um, you know, I feel like it's the way it's taught rather than what the information is, because I feel like anything can be interesting for me at this point like i i I just love reading about the randomness stuff you know yeah well that's what were you saying i was gonna say like that was what switched in my brain like i went from like not liking the medium of reading to like loving it to the point where now i just read like whatever just for fun you know and that expands your brain but everything does like podcasting would too obviously yeah but i think some people think that if they learn more, they'll lose other knowledge. I disagree with that because you work your brain. It's a muscle, right? I'm not saying that I agree with that. I'm saying that's what yeah. people I think that's what people think about. Like they hit a certain point and they're like, all right, that's all the uh, knowledge that I'm going to accept. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a problematic way to look at things. But I know what you're talking about for sure. But I mean, it, that's also like a, you know, there's two perspectives to that one because, like, you don't want to overwhelm yourself and not be good at anything and be okay at everything. You know. Mm-hmm. Do you burn yourself out with work, or you do you have a good balance? I don't have a good balance. I'll be honest. No, I'm still finding that. You know, like I feel like that's that's my slowest point is like a balance with work because I just like am obsessive with it. If that may, like in a negative sense, I would say I'm the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a creative process. Ooh, that's a good question, man. I mean, for instance, like this collection, like I just uh, I just dropped this hoodie. I literally just made this like two hours ago just because I saw the picture. I commented on that. I love that, bro. Yeah, man. I literally just made this a couple hours ago. Shout out Playground Printing, Sam in Brooklyn, best printing studio on the planet. But yeah, man, pretty much with the process of this was for a while now i've been like man i want to make a dope parappa the rapper piece but like how am i going to do that without it being like too unoriginal not using enough like elements that are different like from the game itself you know and so what i wanted to do was uh it's like if you look closely at the piece itself to like not make it just normal 3d i added this like overlay effect on every character but like using 3D models. So for instance, if you're wearing it, people are going to look at you and think they're like, oh, snap, am I tripping or something? <laughs> so like, that's, that's so- what it's called, the tripping or something. Yeah, like the psychedelic parava the rabbit. I was like, what am I going to call this? So that is your creative process. You created that two hours ago and then there was a drop on it right before the <laughs> podcast. Shot the product shots here, man. I took my phone, just went, psh, psh, did I'm I love Photoshop and all the Adobe programs. So I was just like, all right, let me make this look nice. And, 
what are your experiences with psychedelics oh my gosh ah uh, yo oh gosh yeah I, i'm that's definitely a part of my journey i would say man like i don't know if this counts as a psychedelic but the first like substance of that nature i remember trying with my homies uh shout out to the homies but it was a uh, like dxm dextromorphin <laughs> the worst stuff a kid can ingest i don't know what D i've never heard of dxm before it's it's just pure cough medicine not like the kind that people sip but the kind you get over the counter that's supposed to disassociate your brain it's the cringiest corniest thing you just throw up for hours <laughs> jesus christ it's the worst <laughs> and that was your first experience yeah and then a year later me and my homies did acid in a park at Audubon Park, which was in New Orleans, which was really fun um, for a second. But because this is a weird story, but so at the time um, and at the time I was still speaking to my family and, or I still speak to my family. But at the time um, with my dad, who I like talk to here and there, you know, but uh, at the time he I remember told me there was like wolves in Audubon Park like the day before. But it was like in my subconscious, like I wasn't consciously thinking about it. And like the next day when we went to trip there at like 10 p.m. for the first time. Like that's all that was on my brain. So I was just telling my friends like, yo, the wolves are going to get us. Like, oh no, you're just, freak <laughs> you're just like, freaked out about wolves. Oh, so bad. Cause, and then I just kept having a freak out. Cause like the second we left the park, I was like, oh yo, that's my boss's car. And they were like, dog, why would your boss be driving around here at 10 p.m.? I'm like, I don't know, dog, but we got to go home right now and sleep. And we get back to his crib and my he's watching like Archer and the lights are on. I'm like, dog, I can't fall asleep. I can see the light. And it's like in another room, but I'm just <laughs> tripping mad hard. No, the first couple of times you're just so if you're an anxious person, like yes, I'm an anxious person. I'm an anxious person. I don't get see even now. Like if I take mushrooms, my come up will be horrible. I'll be sick. Yeah. Like, I'll be good when I'm in it. I don't get people who are just like good with themselves. Like the first no. time they take it, they're like, oh, let me relax. Like I'm good right now. Dude, it makes no sense. And I mean, like, I, I feel stupid because I chose to just keep doing it, but like upping the amount. So like, you know, there was like one trip that was so terrible man like i was on the subway in brooklyn i forgot how many tabs i was on but like dude it was so bad because it was a packed subway and across from me was a was like a rabbi praying oh, and, and yo like it's chill you know like i love that in general but also next to the rabbi also like yo no shade like all love to people who are trans and like look a certain way but this like you know trans person like norm but like really makeuped up was next to this rabbi praying and then next to them was like this like creepy looking dude and i was peeking so like i just stood up and just like made everyone look at me on the train i was like oh, <laughs> i thought the rapture was happening for a second i was just like dog this is terrible do you think that the universe throws you crazy shit when you're tripping or do you think you just realize how crazy normal life usually is around you? I think you realize how crazy normal life is around you. That's what I think. Cause like, actually, I don't know, dude. Like I actually don't know. I've seen there is certain shit that only crazy. happens when you're tripping. No, 100%. Like, but then again, it's also just noticing because like the bones of like a dog that's like shaved. I don't know if you've ever looked at a bony dog while tripping. 
<laughs> no, yeah. I was going to be like, why do you have dog bones on a trip? <laughs> no, like, it just looks so like abstract and abnormal. But that's yeah. like the acid, not like me, you know? Yeah, there's I like this thing that I I think I have where it's like either plastic surgery or like someone overly makeup. And I'm not talking about just women. I'm talking about plastic surgery for men too. It's like, I can tell that you're not the way that like you were created. And yes. it like throws my brain off. Yeah, no, and that's what happens when I watch news reporters on TV right away. You know what film I feel like actually showcases that element really well, like that psychedelic element? This is like a really hated film, but have you seen Flying Lotus's movie Kuso? No, I haven't. I like weirdly like that movie a lot, but there's like points in that film where like they showed news reporters with like the exact like visual that you would see on acid. Like, they do a really <laughs> It's well, this is sometimes it is the universe just throws you weird shit. Like I, I don't know what this isn't connected at all, but it is. Yeah. A couple weeks two Two weeks ago, I had a show in New York, and on my way home, it was a snowstorm. I crashed my car. Oh, man. Sorry to hear and that. It's all good. The car's fixed. Whatever. I, it's all all good. And then last week, I had a show in New York. Like, same time I'm driving home. It's like 2 a.m., and I pass the rest stop that I, like, the, I crashed on a rest stop. So, like, right wow. there. And there was an 18-wheeler completely on fire. Now, there's no other cars around me. There's no cops. There's, like, nothing. <laughs> there's nothing except for this 18-wheeler just on fire in the middle of the road. And it was one of those things where I was, like, literally in my mind, I was, like, am I tripping right now? Like, is this yeah. is the universe trying to tell me with this, like, literally. image? Like, this is the <laughs> rest stop from hell? Like, what the? Yeah, dude, I think, no, nah, you're right. I think you have a very good point. I think that subway experience I had was most likely one of those moments. Because then again, I don't usually see that, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also dumb as hell. Because I used to like, I've never taken Adderall in my life. I've never done Coke. Like, I take mushrooms, weed, I whatever. I don't really do. Yeah. yeah. But when I want, like, when I need to wake up, I would microdose on mushrooms. Mm, so on these, like, long, well, this is dumb as hell because on these long ass drives, I'd be microdosing mushrooms oh, and just, man. like, seeing shit on the side of the road, like, it's a, such a small amount, but you get kind. It gets you still. Well, does it does it lower your anxiety or does it height? Because I feel like microdosing can lower it in a sense. Because I've, I've tried it. Yeah, I will. I've microdosed not. I think the microdose amount, if that makes sense. Because whenever I tried like quote unquote microdosing, I did like 0.5, which I think is not. I think it's like less to microdose, right? Because I still like felt it. Yeah, point like one or point two is a microdose. Yeah, so I've never like properly. I don't, I don't know if I could show, like, if you could see it on camera. See how my hand's all scarred up? Yeah, I see the one, like, right there. Like, you know, my, my, my knuckles. knuckles. I don't know. Oh, my knuckles, knuckles are yeah, all scarred up. You can't really tell, but whatever. I I stopped microdosing because I was, like, microdosing so much that I was like, you just need to start working out. So I go from runs. And Do you I smoke go, before you work out? Yeah, uh-huh. I only can occasionally smoke before I work out. Like, I have to be in the mood, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I feel like I have, but you're a, I, Ellie, you're a thin looking dude. Like when I was giving you my sizes, I'm a fucking 46 waist, bro. Like, who do you like? No, bro, you know Sharif, right? Like, that's the best homie ever. Like, how to make the sizes right, you know? You have a three XL T-shirt and a forty-six waist. Like it's so hard for me to get merch and shit. Dude, I'm telling you though, I just found a connect to ten XL, which is ridiculous, and I don't know what it's gonna look like. But I'm gonna start making like, cause I, I wanted to do like some like concert pieces for specific artists using like ten XL pieces that are just graphically like ridiculous. I'm gonna start doing that. Let me know because I wanna I wanna wear one of your fits on stage, but I want it to be my I wanna fit it. Like I'll get it, but that's just yeah, to you do a drop with in my size. Yo, we can even do some specific like Sam Buck piece, you know what I'm saying? That would be just crazy. Stage, so. That would be dope as hell. I'd but anyway, bad. back to my scarred hand. I wasn't just showing you yeah, my go hand. ahead. Yeah. I was I was microdosing. I was like, I need to work out. So I'd go on runs, but this it was on fourth of July. This past fourth of July, I took a too big of a micro dose and I went for a run and I just ate shit. And I literally scraped up my whole arm. How did that feel on the substance? Did you like feel it more? Was it like 10 no, times? No, so it was more the embarrassment that I'm on a run, I'm all sweaty and I just eat shit. And then there's a guy across the street mowing his lawn. And he just like, he like, I fell hard. I'm fucking six, four, two sixty. Like I fell hard. Oh, and so he gets up off his lawnmower and comes over. He's like, are you okay? And I'm just tripping and upset. So I'm like, I'm fine. And I just start running off again. Dude, that's so weird, man. And I got back to my apartment. I know he probably is like, this is a crazy person. Right, right. I got back to my fucking apartment and my I was just bleeding. My whole body was like, my clothes were ripped up. I was tripping blood. So yeah, I didn't Dang. feel shit. It was the adrenaline. Man, that's intense. I mean, I have not had a lot of those experiences getting hurt, tripping, luckily. Have you had any major injuries? In general, yes. The the adrenaline, like I broke my arm pretty badly. Like I still have a pretty gnarly scar from it. Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know if you can see it. But yeah. yeah. That was the surgical incision, though. They had to place my bone back. What happened? Oh, it was stupid. I was just messing with the homies and just felt like this. And it snapped here and did a 360 in the arm. It's never a cool story. No, not at all. Dude, you want to hear even a worse one? You see this scar on my finger? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I was cleaning a refrigerator at my first job. It just slid it in half because I didn't notice this, like, sharp thing back there. <laughs> like, kept going. <laughs> I'm guessing you weren't good at jobs. Not to be. I wasn't either. Well, this is the thing. I was good at communication, but every other aspect, I was terrible, man. I, I worked at a snowball stand in New Orleans and like I would always spill like everything over the cup. Like I would put not enough extract, too much extra. I just was not for that. If that but I mean, sense. like mentally, were you cool with like work and shit? Well, I mean, the thing is, man, for for me at that time, when I first started working, I was just like, like I need to work. So to me, I was just like, I'm gonna try my best. You know, I was like, I, I need to like elevate at whatever job I'm doing so I can make money, to be honest. That I guess. Yeah, because I had a real job up until the pandemic, like working and shit. But now I feel like it's t I, it would be tough to go back. 
Oh, well, yeah, for sure. But looking back at it, man, like, I feel like if I didn't like go as hard at all of my jobs, then I wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing today, if that makes sense. But I've had a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of jobs. <laughs> you have to learn perseverance. Yeah. Very true. I, I agree. You have to learn most things. Like, most things, like, most people, yes, like, when you were eight and you saw that red fox shirt, it clicked something in your brain that changed your path forever. Yes, when I met Jim Gaffigan when I was on my 10th birthday, like, yeah. it changed my life forever. But that's just, like, a little bit of inspiration. Like, you, re you really have to learn how to do everything. For sure, man. I mean, for me, I'm super blessed because like I worked at an acupuncture clinic with my brother, Gabe, like not my blood, but, you know, pretty much my brother, um, Gabe. He helped me out by getting me an opportunity to work with this acupuncture clinic in New Orleans. I worked at an aquarium for a while in New Orleans. So I did the snowball stand. I worked at Medieval Times in New Jersey, like talking to people about like the randomest things. You know, I worked at a Costco. I worked at a Victoria's Secret. Man, I've worked at a lot of jobs just to try to, like, make things work, you know? When did this brand... I'm sorry, what's the pronunciation of it? Miku. Oh, I can explain Miku. that story, too. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear I, that. Yeah. Yeah, so my name is Misha, right? Or a.k.a. Mikhail, which is Michael in Russian, you know? I mean, well, yes, Michael in Russian. And um, growing up, my family only called me Misha. My older brother started calling me Mikey when I was, like, you know, probably around like 10, 11, he started calling me Mikey. And then at school, because it was American school, it's like, you know, for some reason to my family, it's like weird to go by the Russian name. So I would go by Mike to a lot of my homies and my homie, Sam, I say homie way too often, but my, my boy, Sam, he was like, yo, Miku. And I was like, what is that? Because at the time I went by just mad names. So he just made one of them. He's like, Miku bird. I was like, word, I'm going to just go by that. And it Miku. was there since then? Yeah. I was just like, whatever. Miku. Well, not there as in like I used it, but it was in the back of my head that that's what I want my name to be with like whatever brand it, or whatever I start, you know. And is it, when did the brand start? Well, the brand officially started around the time I met Drew Kunai, who was the designer who put me on at 310 Canal Street. That was the, that was the address through Wallplay. And that was a... Uh, 2019 but the name that's when i like officially was like okay this is a brand and this is like i i have an ethos if that makes sense like i built an ethos prior to that i already had miku but miku was like there wasn't a defining ethos for it if that makes sense what do you mean a defining ethos pretty much like what how you explained how or how you brought up how i have it written like post-soviet critiques using like 3d art or just using art in general for a post-soviet critique i guess like that idea wasn't crafted fully until 2019 i feel like and do you have a moment it came to you um well it was sort of just always there and then i put it down on like a like typing and like actually started writing out what plans i want to have for the brand over time and like what it is color theory like all that stuff like i did well because of my homie oscar actually he used to be a, like, he is a consultant actually, and does a lot of web development for people, super talented person. But he convinced me that I needed to write down like everything. And I would say like, that's really where I start, like when I 
you know, professionally started. And before that, in your mind, did you have a moment that you were like, I'm going to take myself seriously? In, in a sense, yeah. But like, it wasn't seriously in the sense of like, oh, this is going to be what it is today. It was more so in the sense where like, I want to take this seriously just for myself, you know, just because like, I want to be like my mom, because my mom's never sold her artwork. She's an artist as well. Like she's a painter, for instance, like she painted this, you know, as a representation of my life, you know, like she does a lot of painting. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Like she does a lot of artwork. And it's like combinations of like surreal plus realistic art, but she's never sold a piece of artwork because, you know, she grew up in Soviet Union where that wasn't her goal. Like her goal was to be a mathematician, like a scientist, whatever. And uh, whenever she immigrated here with all of us, like it was then that she decided to try selling her art, but she didn't know how to. So she just didn't. So in a weird way, I'm like living through my mom because she never was able to do it, you know, but yeah. always like never wanted to, but sort of did, you know? Yeah. But that, does she, how does she see what you're doing? Is that? As me doing it through her? I don't yeah. think so. My mom clowns like a lot of things. That I, no, she loves a lot of it, but a lot of it, she's like, come on, like who would buy this? Like, somebody, I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember, like, you said video games. Do you remember your first memory of when the video games played into it? Into art or into into, into your, yeah, into your, like... I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Art. process, yeah. Um, very early on. Like, but, but that's because, like, I I was just... I mean, at the, I guess some people can see this as unfortunate, like, giving your children access to, like, all the video games ever at such a young age, but, like, I just had that, you know, because I have older siblings. So like when I was like, what, like when GTA San Andreas came out, like I was playing that with my brother who got it, you know, mm-hmm. whenever, like whatever, or like we just had a ton of PS1 games because I had an oldest brother too, who um, unfortunately passed away. But like he put me onto the PS1 games, right? Like he put me onto a lot of that when I was like a child, you know. Do you think it affects children? No, dude, I think video games is the most positive thing. Hip hop and video games takes people away from negative environments, in my opinion, and just makes people like more willing to go into a world of art and like expression. I don't think there's anything negative about video games. I think anyone who brings up that argument needs to like do their own research about history. I mean, did video games exist in the like 60s, 50s when like, like you, you can, you know how many countless murders and crazy people were affected by like movies and stuff like it's not it's all dumb yeah stephen king has this thing where he talks about like it feeds the alligators in your brain he (laughs) talks about like he likes horror because it like feeds the alligators in your brain so you don't want to go out and do it like you just you get that thrill from like watching it totally i i think that's such a good yeah i agree i fully agree man i fully agree like i have homies who uh like, you know, like I, I introduced them to like stuff that they weren't introduced to as kids. And they tell me like, yo, dog, like the fact that you I wish I grew up playing this. Like, I wish I didn't grow up like in a weird part. Yeah. Do you like horror? I love horror, man. I love horror. I make my girlfriend watch like horror movies that she does not want to watch, man. See, my, yeah, mine will not. Because I, I like like gory horror. Like, Oh, I love everything horror. Yes, gory. You should really watch Flying Lotus's movie. 
I will. It is disgusting. It is Did great. You watch Terrifier? No, no. Oh, that was really good. Watch Terrifier, Terrifier? which is like super low budget. But then Terrifier yeah. Two just came out, and they like gave it a real budget, and oh, it's no. like it's like the goriest horror movie, you know. But I enjoy I enjoy because it it's it's like my sense of humor. I think yeah. about it like how people think of like people are into super intense porn. It's like you went through all the normal stuff, so you like the crazy shit. It's like I hope you're not I've, on the. Faces I don't. Of, I don't like crazy porn. That's no, not. I'm saying the faces of. Have you seen Faces of Death? No. Oh yes, I have. I don't like real life death. That's a weird one, man. I was thinking like, but what that's is like real porn? shit, right? It's half and half. It's half. Yeah, and half. I don't see. I don't like real. Like I don't want to. I. I was never the person to enjoy watching like an ISIS beheading video. Of like, course, yeah. Well, of course. I would have friends send me that shit, and I'm like, you're a crazy person. No, I had hope he's like. <laughs> I don't want to watch the real shit, but it's like, it's like jokes. Like I've heard every joke. I want the most crazy shit or I've seen all the regular horror. Like I watched regular horror when I was a kid. Now I want some more intense stuff. Dude, I feel that way about music to the max. I feel like that's why I listen to so much Billy. I feel like Billy Woods is the perfect example of an artist who's like on a level lyrically and stylistically and production. I know it's like such a random thing to bring up, but just you bringing up like you know how horror how it relates to horror with you for me that's how i feel about music and fashion like, to the max you know and you obviously feel that way <laughs> yeah no billy woods <laughs> is that way like churches that album that he dropped like yeah insane like, so I'm it's insane. really crazy so i was in the studio and fat ray was recording his verse no way so when you listen back to that song and fat ray goes buck in the beginning of his verse i get a shout out on that song dude i didn't <laughs> notice that that's insane no one would it's such like a short little like thing in the beginning of his verse but it i'll always have that it'll always be but no billy woods is like there's it, it's definitely I'm, I'm not gonna say there's no happiness to it because that comes across really rude and that's not true but it's like it's the bare essence of feeling i think it's a great way to put it yeah and i think i do like that in my music i don't want some poppy easy to listen to shit i i just like for me it's sometimes he just says something that i just don't expect one bit that i think to my head like Yo, if I were to make a clothing piece, I feel like this is that as weird of a concept as what I would want to do. I mean, he has like that one lyric off of one of his most popular tracks, I guess. I mean, what what does he what does he say? He's like, um, I don't want to go see Nas with an orchestra at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> like, <laughs> like well, I, I love. Thought, yeah, go ahead. I thought that the first time I saw your pants in that in Danny's hotel room in oh. New York. For real though, like. I'm like, is that fucking, is uh, like Saddam Hussein? Is that fucking like? Yeah, but there's some Easter eggs on those pants that very few will know. Like Ray Nagin, the mayor of New Orleans during Katrina, who was caught on like the worst corruption as of recent. Um, you know, Zhirinovsky, he's the leader of the LDPR, the Liberal Democratic Republic of Russia. But like they are far from that. They are the most conservative like nationalist group. Also, Zhirinovsky died last year. Crazy enough. 
like after I made the pants, which is weird. Oh, really? Yeah, what I did. That's what I loved about your clothing is it was and not your clothing, your art is it was like, oh, my God, he he like. He's doing the thing you're supposed to do. Oh, Push, man. which doesn't sound like what you want, because but it is like you're to me, you're pushing right and creating something new, unlike anything I had seen. Dang, I definitely appreciate that and need to take that a large step further, because at the end of the day, man, like, you know, since a lot of it comes from so much inspiration, like I can pinpoint how something that I've made is not as original as it could be. You know what I mean? And I want to get to the point where I don't know anything that like is what I'm doing. You know, I'm still not like I'm close to there, you know, but like I, I feel like I still need to make that one defining statement. That's just like like nobody's ever done this graphically, you know. And do you what what do you think the medium of that is? Fashion. But I think the way I want to do it through fashion is by doing oh, so I also dabble in cutting and sewing and now actually like the actual the actual fashion aspect of clothing, you know, like, for example, um, I work now with um, a sample maker manufacturer whenever I do those pieces like the blue pants that Z Loopers wore, for instance, are handmade, you know, not by me, by Drew Dems, actually, who's a phenomenal sample maker. He actually even worked with HBA. And um, so, yeah, like he helps me do the actual cut and sew process when I wanted to be there, you know. And uh, I guess like that's the elevated sense of the clothing that I want to make in like like times 10 it, you know, like do a really intense pattern, but is all graphic based, you know. Yeah. And what. When you started, was that the vision you had or is that changed over time? Well, interestingly enough, like the very first vision I had was to, which I think in a weird way is internally what a lot of artists want to do is like create something that when you look at it, you like debate whether or not like there's an illusion or like you look at it and you're like, oh, there's like a psychoactive thing going on in my brain right now because I'm looking at this sort of like when you look at Van Gogh's The Chair. You know, when you look at Van Gogh's The Chair, it looks weird. You almost think you're like tripping, but it's like you're not. And also, I stole that from Aldous Huxley. He wrote that in um, one of his great short stories, Heaven and Hell, I believe. He wrote about how, like, if you look at Van Gogh's The Chair, you almost feel the same as if you're on mescaline, you know? Because at that time, he was experimenting with mescaline. I think that was like in the 50s or something like that. But that's what goes But you wanted to create. Yeah, like, I want to create that feeling that, that Aldous Huxley got when he looked at Van Gogh's The Chair, you know? In the way that you created that hoodie two hours ago. Yeah, I guess I want to do that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's just a funny thing that you're saying, like, that was the thing, and that is the exact way that you described the piece that you put together. Yeah, yeah. What, did you th- <laughs> what would you think your younger self would think about what you're doing now? Oh, man, my homie, told, my homie asked me this the other day. I would be really tripped out, like totally tripped out. But then I was a bad, like I was an annoying kid. Like I was not the same person in terms of my like actual personality, if that makes sense. Like I've internally came to such a change in the past five years, six years, you know, like prior to this past six years, like I was honestly like on a bad, you know, like I was not, not cool. Yeah. I was lame. I was such a lame man. What changed it? Um, I think I realized that like, there is like a like people matter you know like being a d-bag is never 
a good thing, you know, like treating, like, you know what I mean? Some things that people realize when they're children, I realized like six years ago. Was there a moment? There was, I think a couple moments specifically, and I don't want to say anything bad about anybody, but this person who I was sort of like hanging out with or whatever, you know, like I just realized how negative the situation was. And like the second I pulled out and started having really bad withdrawals from uh, like at the time I was like really badly addicted to benzos. And so like, I just like was going down such a bad path. Like, like I can't even see myself in the same light that I was in six years ago. Six years ago, I was like, damn, you're dying from benzos, like withdrawals. And like, like after I stopped, you know, cause I was like doing a lot, you know, like a lot of Xanax. Yeah. But like, not like, pres- like, you know what I mean? Like in the worst yeah. way possible, like in the lamest way you could be using that substance. So. And what made you change, change that? Um, the person who I was with, I decided to not see anymore. I got a steady job and then I was like, okay, I realized like life is better. Even if I'm like dying from withdrawals, it's better than like almost dying from an overdose, you know, like I'd rather be like going through this than that. You know? How long did you go through withdrawals for? It was about six to seven months. It was really bad. Really? And, uh, and I still have a lingering anxiety from it. I mean, I had, so this was, that's, what's interesting. I feel like my anxiety is not, um, like I was, I don't think I was born with this anxiety. Like I think I've induced it throughout time with substances and just like being a careless person, you know. Unfortunately, Do you for think it's something you can change. I've already changed it. I think like my anxiety has lessened to the point where I don't have panic attacks as frequently. You know, like like my panic attacks are like once a month now, and they used to be like every day, like every other hour of every day. You know. What do you do? Nothing, nothing. I just like, the thing is when I was going through withdrawals, I did nothing. I like, because I wanted to die. Like, I was just like, I don't care anymore. Like, I just want to accept this fate, you know? And somehow I didn't die from withdrawals. <laughs> were you creating during that time? Yes, I was, I was. But like- were you like, caring about it? I, I was just doing it because that's all I thought I could do at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. But you didn't think it was going to work out. It, it, weirdly in my head i think i did have an idea that it was gonna work out even though i didn't even see myself working out as a person because like at that time i was very like mentally like in and out if that makes sense because i was weirdly enough as i was addicted to benzos i was doing a lot of psychedelics too which doesn't sound like it makes sense but like for instance one time i was on a really high dose of acid and um i like kept getting these like flickering moments where like I would like flicker my eyes and I would like be with like DMX in my mind because at the time I was obsessed with D- I've always been obsessed with DMX but at the time I was like really into his first his first two albums and like every time I'd flicker my eyes I'd be like with DMX in the PJ the claymated show the PJs have you ever checked that out with Eddie Murphy yeah I would like be there with DMX like and I would just like every time I'd flicker my eyes like that would be the reality but it'd be like a hospital PJ setting with DMX it was terrible, man. Yeah, that's how. Damn. So you just had like a flash of inspiration that you just needed to change everything. Yeah, like literally everything. Because I had these like, like I, I swear I can see it like it was yesterday. Like I would like look down at my hands and I would be like a different human being. And like my settings would just like be consistently changing. And I just like went through that really badly, you know. You are, you're just an addictive person. 
I, I am too. That's why I like yeah. never tried anything because I knew that I'd get addicted immediately. Yeah, I'm sober now from all substances aside from weed, nicotine, and alcohol. Oh but, wow! Congratulations. Yeah, man, I'm super happy about that. I'm super happy. It's like what almost six years sober from Xanax. Like, wow. The other stuff occasions, but like you know. Did that you one. think you needed that to create in that moment or were you doing yeah. it to escape the creativity? I was doing it to escape the creativity. And that's true for me. And like, this is, I have a very different approach to my art than other creatives because a lot of creatives can create under the influence. I personally just can't, you know, like it just, it sucks to say, but I just, I just can't do it. I try hard. It never comes out as good as it does when I'm sober. Personally. How do you find the muse? Um, I don't. I think there's just I like right now I already have like 20 other ideas like I had the prep of the rapper idea but just like with other things so I just sort of whatever first one comes to my mind in the morning that I really want to dive into that I've been reading about it's like okay that's what I'm gonna use as inspiration it's usually music weirdly enough yeah or is there someone you're inspired by right now music wise yeah Oh man, there's probably a laundry list to be honest. There's always an artist who I like hear a new album from, and I'm just like, oh man, this is too good. This is just too good. Hmm. Z Loopers' new album is phenomenal. Not what oh, I expected at all. Crazy. Somebody I used to know sample was ridiculous on that. That's one that's like crazy. Um, and he produced all of it. It's ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, the Billy Woods album Church is ridiculous. I listen to that every day. The weeds overgrowed like that. We play that every single day, man. Um, have you ever listened to Gabe Nandez? No. Gabe Nandez, he's actually on the Ethiopes album, the the Billy Woods album. He's on the song with Boldy James. He's the last verse. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that verse? It's like the last verse on the album. I, I'm gonna have to check it out again. But I'm always down to, I'm always looking for new artists to find. Yeah. So Gabe Nandez, super talented artist. I've been listening to him. He, uh, he's super good. He's on power records with like Sharif. He's on the same record. With oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is he, what did you say? You said hyper accelerated in your ether, in your, uh, in the thing. You said hyper accelerated oh. too, which I think is something I think about with content. Like, because I have such an addictive personality, I'm addicted to like wanting to find all the content I can, like listening to everybody, finding everything to For almost sure. a detrimental level. Yes. No, I feel you. Oh my gosh. Also, as you're talking, I just thought about like a couple other names. 454 is killing it. I mean, he has been killing it. Do you have you listened to him before? No. He's sick. He's from Florida. Super talented artist. He four, does five, like four. Yeah, four five four, super talented. Also, Shawnee Bin Laden. I've been oh yeah, 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 five. Yeah, for the past like couple of years though, but he's been releasing new stuff. That's great. Man, Polo Perks. Have you have you heard Polo Perks? Before? No, you're putting me onto a hell of a lot of people, dude. He's he's a great artist. Uh, he does a lot of like sampling of like like Mr. Brightside, but to the drill beat, but like perfectly, you know? Like oh, he, I'd, I'd love to check that out. See, I've love, I, yeah, no. Polo Perks? Polo Perks. All dope. right. Dope artist, dope artist, yeah. <laughs> but about the, the obsession with the, uh, with new content. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, man, like, 
luckily like dude i was always like not a social media person but now ever since i've started this brand like social media has been helping me out a lot with finding new artists like new new stuff in general like because i mean nine times out of ten when my home well, well some of my homies who i trust musically like repost a new artist they're usually pretty accurate on how good they are so but a lot of your art is inspired by not modern yes oh for sure yeah not modern art at all are you asking for some what are some of my like no i'm just asking where why i guess i was trying to figure out why you're like what late 90s early 2000s obsession oh yes oh so there's so many artists within that world that i can name off that i listen to almost every day that like put me in that headspace you know i was just talking about about the era like the do you want your like you get inspired by artwork whether it be video game stuff from like when you were younger yeah but i would never want to mimic the style so i want to utilize like some of the elements from that time but i I wouldn't want to make like an early 2000s piece if that makes sense you know yeah yeah I, is this is an ignorant question but is it harder to use like new video games like taking a character out of a new video game weirdly enough it's easier and there's also a lot of russian websites where people have already taken out a lot of new video game characters that i can just sort of go there and be like all right and yeah. do you only like the games you pick do you have like a like the parappa the rapper like yeah has that something you've been sitting on or did one day you just like thought about it and you're like oh i'm gonna create this so it's something i've been sitting on forgot about then thought about and was like why haven't i just done this yet (laughs) that's sort of that yeah that's what i love and that's what i hope people get inspired by is like again as you could probably tell by this i don't know much about that world like the the fashion world and but the creative process for everything is the same very true like that's how i come up with a jokes like i'll forget about it and then it'll come back in my head and i'll be like why did i never do that joke or why haven't i done that joke in years and then it'll come back better and it's like oh shit yeah no for dude 100 actually the russian capsule that i did uh, about gazprom and the capsule that i did against the russian police i did like a big anti-russian police capsule and those two i've been sitting on thought wise since probably i met drew like probably around 2019 but i only released it or like came up like really did it made it come into fruition you know three years later two years later whenever that was have you ever been over to russia of course man yeah man of course i've been to kiev russia like all or moscow like all the places like that's where the fam are at yeah yeah i've always wanted to go you should check it it's beautiful man i love it not trying to sound weird but i do like it. No, yeah is it this is is it like you can go over there now no i can't like you can't travel at all i can't either. i can't go there my mom to come here for my brother's wedding last year um she had to like it first of all the tickets ended up being like you know over just imagine like quadruple the price you'd ever pay on an international flight pretty much also, you're like very limited towards like what you can bring, what you can bring back. Like it's really trash. It's a really trash process. Yeah. Do you think that's what it's going to be for the foreseeable future? Maybe for the next year. I I don't know. I just have no clue to be honest. Because like for instance, like my mom told me 
the last month or two, she was like, oh, I have to figure out whether I'm going to get citizenship or whether I'm ever going to come back to the U.S. due to like citizenship stuff, because you can't they're going to stop doing dual citizenship is what my mom was telling me for Russia and the U.S. So she's going to have to like choose in a sense. And she's probably going to choose Russia because my grandmother's there. And my dog is there. And it, that, that's like a scary reality if I can't visit her and she can't visit me. Yeah. So you did you ever live over there? So not officially. In a sense, you know, because um, my dad, he's a quantum mechanic researcher, and he got a grant opportunity to work at Northeastern University to do quantum mechanic research. And that's why we immigrated to the States. So it was sort of like, you know, pretty much off the bat. Were you born over there? So I was um, I was born. It's a it's a weird situation. So I pretty much have a birth certificate in both places. It's OK, yeah. you were like born on the plane. but you moved around a lot like you said new orleans new orleans new orleans new New jersey new orleans that's how you're supposed to say it new orleans i don't know how you're supposed to say i was a new orleanian living there so you know but new orleans i feel like no one really says that really new orleans if you're from i feel like people there say new orleans I always think of that one Wale line. I don't know if you've ever heard that song with Currency and Wale. He's like, black and gold diamonds like I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> that is that is so funny. And I that's something I realized now being in the music, like seeing rappers in the studio. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, if they mess up one word, like they're just going to sometimes keep it, you know, because they just yeah. verse. like a lot of rappers don't punch in like that. Like he's going to wrap the verse. And now when I listen to him, like he just messed up the grammar on that or said, no, I'm like, oh, it was in the moment. I get it. Yeah. Dang, that's hilarious. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I bet Wale was, <laughs> yeah, that was definitely not on purpose. He's probably just like fucked up one night and they record it wicked late and he's like, ah, just put it out. Oh, dude, that's another artist who inspires me so much is Currency. Currency, because I because I lived in New Orleans, you know, so like, interestingly enough, Currency's work ethic, like his mixtape series is that he released in like the early, or I mean, the late 2000s, you know, like 2008 to 2012, like the amount of mixtapes he had, like that inspired my understanding of like, in a lot of ways because he would sample like everything would be like sample you know and just yeah putting out he inspired me in that way where it's like there's never too much content and also he's just consistent you know like i love his music personally i i've always been obsessed with his albums you know is it hard like all right you have an idea but you just did a drop like can you do a drop whenever is it hard to be like space the time that people are gonna buy your shit to be honest, I mess up a lot in this world because I because I, I am very impatient because of my anxiety. So I like want to drop whatever I have. And sometimes I'll do it at the wrong time and it doesn't work out. Sometimes I'll like really wait it out and just like sit patiently and then I'll drop and it does like ridiculously well. You know, <laughs> there's a big difference. There's a big difference. But I hate waiting on shit, too. Yeah, yeah. I, no, want, exactly. the, I want that instant gratification. <laughs> This is the first time I've ever done something like this. This is the first surprise drop I've ever done because of how much I liked this. So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to put it out. I like this. Wow. And what, it's like a pre-order system? You just see how many people buy it and then you print that many? Or do you... 
Well, so for instance, um, or yeah, so the way it works is my homie Sam, who has the studio in Brooklyn, he has so much stuff on hand in terms of material. He also has like the perfect quality. Like he's a master at what he does, you know, like he's worked with big names too, printing wise. So he just like, he has things on lock. So for instance, like today I had to ship out a decent or a decent couple of orders, right? A decent amount of orders. And uh, whenever I hit, like I hit him up and he's just like, yo, I'll have them ready by this time. You know, like we've created a system. We've created a system. Yeah. When was the first time you realized you had something? The first, my Allen Iverson t-shirt that I dropped in 2019 or 2020 or was, yeah, 2020, I think 2020 because uh, that shirt just sold so well without any promotional help or anything. No one knowing who I was like, it just, I dropped it just did really well. Why? I think it's because it was the 3d concept and it was Allen Iverson in the 3d Allen Iverson pretty much all over the shirt. And I think people just like thought, what the heck is this? Like, you know, did you know it was going to be that one? No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> <To be honest. laughs> you thought it was a, yeah what did you just put it out thinking it was going to be i thought it was gonna be tight i was just like yo who doesn't love alan iverson who doesn't love nba 2k2 on the dreamcast why not combine the two where'd the idea come from well that was my favorite basketball player my whole i mean i feel like this is so stereotypical so many people would say this it's just like yeah i love alan iverson yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but you could love Allen Iverson or you can love Allen Iverson so much that you get inspired, make True. a piece of clothing that was the first time that now a real brand that you can be yeah. like fully proud of was created off of that piece that you were so inspired by him by. No, true, true. And I mean, Allen Iverson was the first fashionable basketball player in my eyes. I bet there's like a million prior. Like, so don't don't get me wrong. This is a very personal perspective. You know, to me, he was the first like fashionable player in a sense. Not okay. Take out the word fashion. The first per, like player who I saw and I was like, "Yo, I dig this style." Because at the time I was rocking like you know whatever. Yeah. Like he was the only player who I related to in that sense, which is what a lot of people say. You know, but not, not a lot of people do it. In that moment, do you remember like creating that that shirt? The graphic. Yeah. The graphic where i was mentally or where i was no, do you I remember. remember do you remember created that moment when you created it yeah i would say at that moment i had four other ideas that i was like mingling with so originally it wasn't going to be out iverson originally i was going to be doing an nba 2k3 piece where it would be tracy mcgrady ben wallace like four other players and alan iverson then i realized i liked alan iverson you know, a lot more. <laughs> and that's and, what it ended up being. Yeah. It went from being an NBA 2K3 piece to being the Allen Iverson piece. And that was the first, this is actually how I know how or why that's my first real piece, because it was the first design that three designers who were much bigger than me stole, like fully stole. And they really? were called, yeah, much bigger designer. Oh man, you just reached out of my mouth. I forgot this ever happened. Yeah. Like 2019, 2020, when this happened, um, I posted it and it did so well, but then I had like, I never had this many DMs in my life. I had so many DMs like, dude, what's going on? And it was like my graphic, like identical graphic. And I like clicked on it and I was like, bro, this has like 
over thousands of likes like i i did this and then all of my homies like destroyed that person's page they took down the post and everything and i got the recognition i needed for that you know oh does that happen a lot not anymore it used to because i think the graphics i was doing were more simple but now since they're more intricate and it's harder to replicate people haven't been stealing designs but at the alan iverson one since they're it was more just like you know just like simple 3d motion like it wasn't anything intense so i think it was just easy to steal you know did they ever reach out to you <laughs> yeah and they were they were trying to have like they were trying to do like some stupid like compromise thing and i was just like not nah, dude like i don't care i don't care like just yeah, take you, it down you stole the idea yeah, yeah they I was just like, compromise what did they want they wanted like they were just like oh but like like oh well first they wanted for me to like first they just wanted me to understand that like oh it can't be stealing for xyz reasons but like it quite literally was my cut like it was the they didn't just steal the idea they stole the visual graphic and i could show them by the like cut of the graphic like it was ridiculous that is crazy how many of the ideas do that you um think are gonna make it like what's the percentage of like do the ones that do well you usually don't expect or the ones that do well oh, dude the master shake pieces did way too well like way too well that's by far my best selling product like dude i get sales on that every single day from when since i dropped it and it's just like that's awesome that's <laughs> awesome that's all it. i can say that's awesome but you didn't expect it not at all dude like i put so much time and thought into like the ukraine capsule the russian capsules and they did really well don't get me wrong but like in comparison it's just like gosh you never right. know what people want you never know you never know yeah clips that i think are gonna go viral get nothing and then other ones get like hundreds of thousands of views and i'm like what the fuck exactly it's always like that it's always like but anyway, man, I'd love to link up in person sometime, but I really appreciate you doing this Zoom, and I'm happy we finally got it to work out. Dude, 100%. I appreciate you, too. And I'm sorry if I came off as, like, ignorant or, like, stupid throughout. No, I'm sorry if I came across as ignorant. I was, I did not know. I, I'm so uh, new in the medium of what you create that I was just, like, just interested in the process yeah, 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 of yeah, how yeah. you even do what you do. So, no, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank I mean, obviously, vice versa to the moon, man, to the largest extent. Well, let's definitely meet up in person sometime. Yeah. What are you going to be in the city next? Actually, I'll be in the city tomorrow for a show in Brooklyn. What time, what time is the show until? Nine, uh, it's nine. The show's at nine. But I are might be in the city earlier, so. Oh, I'm, I'm busy until seven. Oh, word. All right. Well, we'll figure. I'm always in the city, so we'll figure it out. Dude, perfect. Definitely pull up to my spot, pull up to some of my homie studios. Like, it's super fun. Dude, you know? I'd love that. I'd love that. And if you're ever in Massachusetts, same thing. You got it's a home for you. <laughs> Yo, let's do it, man. Let's do All right. it. All right. I appreciate you, man. All right, man. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out. Night. <laughs> yeah. Peace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.